0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Mikkel Thorpe. This is the Expat Money Show. And today's guest started her career as a conductor and concert pianist, running her own music company and a 200-member choir and orchestra. From there, she went on to medical school and completed medical doctorate courses. Today, she has 10 number one Amazon best-selling books and travels the world teaching entrepreneurs her proven step-by-step system called Dream Clients on Autopilot. Please welcome to the show Gundi Gabriel. Gundi, how are you doing?
1: I'm great. Great to be here.
0: It's awesome to have you here. Gundi, why don't you take a couple of minutes and kind of talk us through your story and how you got to running your own choir and orchestra, to medical doctorate courses, to being a best selling author?
1: Absolutely. Yes. Well, I was a musician most of my life. That's how I started as a classical musician, conductor, pianist, organist, and all that. And uh, later, I needed a break. I did that, like I said, for most of my life. And then needed a change, moved back to California and tried to find ways to make money online so I could follow my dream, which is travel around the world and work from anywhere. So... It took some trial and tribulation, and eventually I achieved it. So I've been a digital nomad for the last three to four years, as I think you are too, right, Mikhail?
0: Uh, Yeah, digital nomad is one way to put it, for sure.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And build over time after, like I said, some trial and error that I think we all go through. Six-figure business going on seven, starting with self-publishing, which has been my greatest tool to market and build my business, and building a platform called Sassy Zen Girl. It's sort of a travel lifestyle site and book series that helps people achieve freedom. That's the tagline also claim your freedom, turning a passion into a business or a sustainable income and then live the life you want to live. It could be travel, can be something else, whatever you want to do, but not being slaved to a job or a life you don't like. And my focus has always been on passive income. Because I like freedom, I hate booked up calendars and then I choose to work and I actually do still quite a lot, but I can choose to do it and then don't have to constantly trade my time for money. I have a beginner internet marketing series that starts with a sassy way to social media marketing or whatever the topic is when you have no clue. So it's sort of a sexy version of the dummy series and it's shorter and compactor that has been doing pretty well. And I'm currently building out my Zen Traveler travel series and growing that and growing courses. That's pretty much in a nutshell.
0: That is a lot of stuff on your plate. But you know, I went through your website and I have to say it is beautiful. The way that you've done the branding and everything and your personal branding is really fantastic.
1: Oh, Thank you. Yeah, it's it's most of all fun. And I think that's uh, two words I like to use aside from freedom, fun and adventure. And I think it, it speaks through that website a little bit at least.
0: So talk to me a little bit more about what you're focused on now then. Like, what do you really have a passion for? Because I know you mentioned travel, I know you mentioned entrepreneurship, you're doing writing. There's a lot of different things
1: there. Well, my three passions in life, not all entrepreneur related, are uh, travel, movies, and cats. Uh, Not in that order necessarily, but that truly is the case. So often when I travel, I also do house and cat sits, which is kind of fun. So my focus is... I have built a business that brings in good income and now to take it to the next level, to automate a lot of that stuff, hiring assistants now, to train them on certain things. So I can focus on growing my brand, my business and branching out. Like right now I'm building out my travel series. I want to build out a sassy uh, Zen way, a sassy way. Serious and other things possibly doing more courses and connecting with people so it's taking it to the next level branding possibly where I'm planning on having a mascot for (laughs) the brand Sassy Zenger because it's more of a cute funny brand and the mascot has to be a cat of course I already have some ideas there. I don't know if you've seen my book covers. They're all a little bit cartoonish uh, with good reason because that makes these sometimes dreary topics of even SEO and things like that more fun to read. And my books are also written in a more fun blogging style. So really aiming at people who uh, you know, have trouble learning it. And frankly, I was like that too. I remember in the beginning when I had to learn SEO and I did, I think, Moz's Beginner Guide, which is fantastic. But boy, it is just so hard to read this. And so my aim is to make this more fun and entertaining and uh, and enjoy the journey rather than just dreary having to get through it. So that's what I'm building up more.
0: Well, that makes a very good point because a lot of times there can be fantastic information in a resource, whether that be a book or a course or a program. But if your prospects, if your customers, your clients are not going to be able to consume it because it's so dense, it's so dry – that they don't finish it, then it doesn't matter if it is the best information in the world. So you really do need to keep things fun. You need to keep things entertaining.
1: Yeah, and I think that is a really powerful way to brand any business. Uh, The way I learned SEO was actually from a guy who's really successful. He makes millions with it, but he did a lot of cute, funny SEO videos on YouTube. And that was such an easier way to learn it because you, you can make it easy and you can be funny along the way. It doesn't have to be dreary. And if you can bring... Fun into anything you do, any branding or any business, it will so much more attract customers than nothing else. I think.
0: Absolutely, I agree with you there. So, talk to me. Where are you from? Where are you now? Where do you travel? Because I know you. You've done a lot of really interesting things.
1: I'm currently in Spain. I've been here for a while in southern Spain on the Costa del Sol. I had a long-term house sit in a finca with a pool and seven cats, which is a great place to (laughs) keep riding and. Building the business, that was sort of an on and off. And I just came back actually from a month of traveling. I explored northern Spain and uh, I went back to Germany briefly. Uh, I'm, I have dual citizenship, German and American. I'm more American and German, except during Soccer World Cup. <laughs> That's when I'm very German. But I was briefly back there and will be here for another month or two. So sometimes it's nice to have longer stays to really get a lot of quiet and work done. You can call it work. It doesn't feel like work, but technically that's what it is. And then have more adventure. And uh, the years before I did a lot of traveling, I was usually in one place for a few weeks and then moved on. I was in Southern Africa and most of those countries, Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, Thailand, Bali, Dubai, which has become one of my favorite cities. My next door neighbor. Oh, yeah. You're in Abu Dhabi, right? I saw that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I love Dubai. So, so fun.
0: Yeah, it's about 60 minutes from my house. If we were right by the highway, we just go straight to Dubai. Sometimes we'll go down for a coffee or we'll go down for dinner or something.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been to Abu Dhabi too. That's nice too. I mean, the whole Emirates are kind of fun.
0: Yeah, they are. Except right now where it's about 50 degrees outside. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was there in September and that was still pretty hot.
0: Yeah. Now you have to come back in January or something like that. Then it's just absolutely beautiful. And just to paint a very clear or a very quick picture of the UAE, about nine months of the year are literally perfect weather you have sunshine and blue skies the entire year every single day of the year maybe we get one day of rain three months of the year will be ridiculously hot but the rest of the year is shorts and a t-shirt comfortable weather 22 degrees 24 degrees and it's just amazing i love it here
1: yeah sounds perfect
0: so now you're doing more of the slow travel. You said that you've been in Spain for a couple of months. Is that kind of how you like to do your travel now?
1: A little bit more. And it also just happened that way. I kind of, I'm at a point where I don't plan much in a, ahead of time, <laughs> which is kind of fun. And for a while, uh, like I said, I do a lot of um, or did a lot of house sitting and it sort of went where the house sits took me and made sure it was at least usually four weeks or so that so that you don't move around so much. And when I say house sitting, it's really pet sitting. Uh, there's not much else to do uh, and often really nice places. And the nice thing is also that it gives you a chance to explore an area much differently than when you stay at a hotel. And often you also have a car to use so you can really do stuff. And it just so happened that this sit went on much longer than initially expected. And it's absolutely wonderful. It's one of my absolute favorite places I've ever been to. So it worked out well for both sides. And so on and off, I've been here. And then in between, I usually travel somewhere in Europe. And then after October, I will move on. Uh, haven't really decided yet where that's. uh, To me, that's kind of the fun part, not to have to book up too much and see where life takes you.
0: Absolutely. So explain to me, how does that look when you do the house sitting? Are you compensated for that or they just give you use of the house and you guys kind of call it even? Or how does that work?
1: It's uh, sometimes this, sometimes that. Uh, initially, I actually did it in the U.S. before I started traveling internationally and into uh, all 50 states that way. I love road tripping. So that worked really well. And uh, in, in those days, uh, it was compensated. And certainly gas money internationally, it depends. Uh, South Africa, they paid for the flight. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Frankly, I don't need the money, if I can say that. For me, it's more important that it's the right place. And you are compensated anyway by by staying for free in a really nice place with everything paid. Usually, they also have a maid to clean the house and gardener, so you're not doing any of that at least i don't <laughs> mostly and so it depends for me that is and i'm happy to say that no longer really a factor for me it's more important where it is that it's quiet i mostly do cats just because i love cats i love sit sometimes too that it's good internet that's of course important for someone like me right Absolutely. you have different experiences there and where it is so it depends If I wanted to focus more on getting paid, I could do that. But it's really not, I don't need it. I make much more money online. And it's a nice thing to do for owners too, because people are so worried about their pets when they travel. And uh, this way they have someone, the pets don't have to go to boarding. They can stay in their environment and with someone who loves them and uh, keeps them company. And it's a much nicer situation for the owners too and for the pets. And I get pets because I can't have pets since I'm traveling so much. But this way I get my pet feed what's the word, fill, Phil, pet, pet Phil, <laughs> And I do need my cat Phil, so to speak, without being tied down as a long-term responsibility, which I really don't want right now. I don't want to be tied down anywhere.
0: No, I think this is really interesting because it is the lifestyle, you know, being able to set things up on your terms, how you want to do things. There's so many options out there for people. And a lot of times people don't use their creativity or their imagination. And they think that international travel has to cost you a fortune to do, but actually there's lots of ways that you can still have quite a nice life and it doesn't break the bank
1: yeah and you know another thing I did in the beginning and even once in a while I do it now but when I very first started I didn't make that much money yet so I did a lot of couch surfing too when I was traveling and it was amazing because you rarely sleep on a couch it's usually a guest room actually and people of all age groups do it now so it's not just kids who (laughs) crash on each other's couches and you need you meet really interesting people who love to meet people. It's really more cultural exchange. They want to meet people from around the world and talk, and they travel that way too. And I've made lifelong friends that way. And yet again, again, it's another way to get to know a country in a way that you wouldn't if you stay at a hotel. Now, of course, couch surfing is more short-term, like two to three nights, because you're staying for free. But in countries like South Africa, for example, which has such an interesting and controversial past, It was so interesting to hear the different opinions from locals on especially the racial tensions and everything that was going on politically. And you just sit there quietly and let them talk because it's fascinating. That's completely different than what you would read anywhere or what someone would tell you. And I have a much deeper understanding of that country, of other countries. So for that reason, especially if you don't have money, that's a good way to go and also go with the attitude of what can I give back because not being a freeloader. But, you know, be a nice guest, Be have spend time with the host. Sometimes they will actually show you the area, too, if they have time, and contribute in some way. It doesn't have to be you cook for them, or but maybe you have something interesting to share. Or you have a skill where you can help them with. So that it's really a building friendships and relationships with people all around the world. And as such, it can be really, really amazing. I always said there would be much less wars in the world if people did more couch surfing in the way I just described.
0: Well, there's a lot of ways that you can add value, and they don't necessarily have to be monetary value. So that's a really good point.
1: Yeah, And it's different from Airbnb, which I rarely use, interestingly, uh, because there's always this monetary aspect. They want you there because they want to make money, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's a completely different approach. It just is. Totally different relationship.
0: I did a lot of couch surfing when I lived in Australia about 10 years ago, and Every single week I would have a new person come in. And it really is that cultural exchange, just like you said, because at that time I was working, I wasn't traveling as much as maybe I wanted to, but every week I would have someone come in from Europe or from New Zealand or from Asia. And it was just such a great way to make friends and to learn at the same time about the world while I was actually staying in one place.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And you describing it from the host's point of view. And that's what a lot of them say. And it's amazing for that reason. I would really say. And sometimes it's also nice to be in a hotel and just be by yourself. I mean, there is that too. It really depends on what you're doing, but uh, I found it to be quite amazing when you travel.
0: Well, and then having the options to be able to do different mediums for different situations, you could say.
1: Yeah, exactly. Plus it doesn't work in every location too. <laughs> you can't really do it in Bali, for example. Culture surfing doesn't really work in Bali. As in, uh, Thailand also, it's not places where people would do that. There's too many tourists to make it viable. And it's also culturally Different. It's very well known in, in the US and I'm assuming in Australia, certainly New Zealand, South Africa. But there's other countries where it's just not as customary or where people are more hesitant to let some stranger into their home. There is more suspicion. So it depends on the nation as well, I found.
0: Well, I love how your business is absolutely booming. You're doing six close to seven figures and you still can see all the benefits for doing couchsurfing to doing house sitting, taking care of other people's pets. And it really isn't focused on the money. You have the money, but you want more of the lifestyle.
1: Yeah, very true. And that's one thing I notice a lot with uh, friends and entrepreneur peers. You probably have seen this too. Success can become an addiction. And I see a lot of people who get so completely caught up in more and more success, more money, more famous and all of that. There's nothing wrong with working, 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 all of that. But I sometimes wonder what's it all for, right? I mean, why? what is the point of doing all that if it doesn't give you more time or whatever your why is the famous why? And sometimes sitting back and just be rather than do all the time and just enjoy the moment, the simple things, That's something I've noticed a lot, that people get very caught up in that. And it's important to work hard and do a lot of stuff. I still do it. Just like I said, it doesn't feel like work, but technically that's what it is. But to also remember life is short and you don't want to rush through it and just be busy all the time building a business and not remember what else is out there.
0: Yeah, well having your number, knowing what it is that you are working towards. So if you're working towards saving money so that you can travel the world, well actually you can travel the world today and work while you're on the go. You don't need exactly. to save up 2 million dollars and then go and stay in five star hotels around the world. Actually there's many many options for doing it on the cheap. Mm-hmm. You know, I Mm -hmm. traveled through Central and South America for 18 months when I was in my early 20s and I hitchhiked. I hitchhiked and I backpacked. I had my tent and I had no money. I was spending something like $10 a day. So when you do the math, like I was living very, very cheap and got to see and do so much that really shaped me as a human being. I didn't have to wait to make those millions and then do the trip that I wanted to do.
1: Yeah. I think, again, what I said, my business, when I work on it, I still make it fun and an adventure. There's some things they are dreary that you have to do, but for the most part, if it isn't, kind of what's the point? And you can make it fun even while you make money and while you work. It's sort of an attitude shift. And and also don't forget, again, life is short. You never know when it's over and you don't want to just be stuck and just working all the time. It's not about the work, but the the mental attitude, I think is what I'm talking about. Does that make sense?
0: No, it does. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. So talk to me. Has there been any times where things didn't work out while you were traveling through these types of places? Staying in Airbnb, or sorry, staying on couch surfing or staying and doing house sitting or pet sitting? Any times that things just went horribly wrong or things just fell apart?
1: Well, it's not horribly wrong, but some go better than others. I would put it that way. And I'm sure you had had the same experience when you had couch surfing guests at some worked out better than others, right? And same with house sits. Some were amazing. Some I wouldn't do again. I wouldn't say there was anyone that was completely horrible. But there's certainly differences, yeah. But I guess that's normal.
0: Well I just like this question because I think it's really important people understand that 99.9% of the time, like your worst fears, they don't come true. Like there's there's usually international travel works out and things go well. And people are genuinely interested in seeing you succeed and being helpful and making sure you're happy. Like people get so caught up in, you know, what these bad things could happen. What if, you know, I don't know, I can't even think of like the examples because I just don't feel that way. But I have heard these types of complaints, this fear, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, as a woman, I think you have to be more careful too. You know, I would not hitchhike and live in a tent in South America as a woman. And that's not being scared, that's just being that's common sense, frankly. You know, that would be crazy to do. For a guy, it's completely different. And with couch surfing too, I've heard some horror stories, but it's usually young twenty year olds who are naive and stay with single guys, you know. I mean, if you have to use your head a little bit, <laughs> you know, and common sense and not get yourself in situations that can potentially be dangerous. And not be too naive on the other side as well. But you're absolutely right. For the most part, things work out well. If you use normal common sense, and I talk about this a little bit, I have a book, uh, Travel for Free, that talks about also digital nomad lifestyle long-term. And it's, I think, one paragraph where I talk about women travel and safety and all of that. And it's using normal common sense. Don't be too gullible and naive, but otherwise also don't let it stop you from traveling. I've never been worried about my safety, for example, which is really important, I think. doesn't mean it. I was never in danger, but it's it's just not something that was a big deal. But I'm also careful, not not overly cautious, but using common sense. There's certain things, if you travel in South Africa, people are so scared of it, it's actually completely fine if you use certain safety precautions that the locals will tell you. That's good advice, by the way. Ask the locals what they would recommend. Do not go to areas you shouldn't go. Um, like in Johannesburg, that can be dangerous, and as people, tourists go... The locals tell them not to go, then they go anyway, and then they get robbed. Okay, well, what are are you thinking, right? So if I'm not sure, then I ask the locals, what should I do and I follow that? Or not leave, leave stuff in your car, keep the car locked. But I road tripped all over South Africa, and it was perfectly fine. It's common sense. Ask locals, but then also don't be scared all the time.
0: Well, that's good advice for anywhere in the world. That's good advice for your hometown, you know, make sure that you have your head on your shoulders. Don't be going out there and doing stupid things. It doesn't really matter where you are in the planet. You know, if if you're out there putting yourself in dangerous situations, then you're putting yourself in d- dangerous situations. It's not because it's Bali. It's not because it's New Zealand. It's not because it's South Africa. It's, it's because of you, you know?
1: Yeah. And take advice. I think people think just, oh, I know what I'm doing. I don't need any help. Uh, no, listen to people who live there and who know their place because some areas are more dangerous than others. That's certainly the case. I mean, Dubai is one of the most, the safest places probably on earth. Mm-hmm. I found, maybe you disagree, but I found no, it no, just I agree, amazingly 100%. safe for, for a number of reasons, of course. And South Africa is actually perfectly fine. It depends where you are too, but it's by far not as scary as people make it out to be. So, you know, it's, that's another reason why couch surfing is nice. Otherwise, if you stay in a hotel, ask people. Durban, for instance, is a city that's also a little bit more, can be dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. But it's a magnificent city. It would be a pity to miss it. I've, to me, it's the most interesting city in South Africa. Just know what you're doing. And that's not scary, right? Mm-hmm. Just, you know. As a New Yorker, I lived in New York for 10 years, so you're always much more cautious anyway, even though New York, ironically, is one of the safest cities in the world, too. Manhattan, I mean, it's very unlikely that something happens. But you just develop an attitude of knowing where your back is and not having your your wallet in your back pocket, as guys often do. Simple things like that. And don't go to Central Park in the middle of the night, which everybody tells you not to. Just don't do it, right? I mean, uh, it's really more that.
0: No, I agree with you one hundred percent. Those are really fantastic things. So where do you ha- where do you think is really hot these days with traveling? Where do you think a lot of people are heading, and what do you think like the the trends are going to be?
1: The trends. One interesting trend that I definitely want to do is Antarctica. That and would be amazing <laughs> that's right that sounds crazy but i know people have done it and everybody is completely blown away now that's crazy but it's amazing I think that uh, cruise ship is not the right word for this it's special th- uh, ships that go there i think uh, and it's quite amazing so those that would,
0: uh those Russian icebreakers and things like that right
1: yeah no I think it's for tourists but it's still not the tip of, it's not a cruise ship like it's it's more of a normal passenger ship in a way with the bunk rooms or whatever but that must be completely amazing I totally want to do that trends uh, i'm not quite sure i guess europe is always popular in uae dubai certainly bali always is also my favorite place on earth is hawaii for example
0: beautiful place. that never
1: goes out of fashion right it's yeah just absolutely lovely. the weather is great the atmosphere the people it's just heaven yeah i mean I've, the nice thing also why probably why i travel a little less now is that i've seen the places that i absolutely wanted to see you know, you have that list, that bucket list you absolutely have to do. And I've pretty much done them. And I'd love to return and there's still more, but it's not the urgency I had before. It's all this stuff I have to see. And it's like being in Disneyland every day. <laughs> it's a new amazing experience and something to explore. Yeah, that's what I would say.
0: See, that's interesting. With me, every time I cross one country or one destination off my bucket list, I end up adding like three more
1: interesting yeah i mean there, there are more it's not like there's nothing i still want to see like last year for instance i always wanted to see the azores i did that you know the islands of portugal and the atlantic that was amazing i bet totally amazing and there's more but i've seen so much already um, that the big ones like the top 20 i would even say that i always absolutely wanted to see except antarctica <laughs> i've done and there's still more to do but you kind of relax a little bit more
0: well, and then I suppose with your lifestyle now, you can slow things down a little bit. Like you said, you've been multiple months in Spain now. So you can really take your time, build your business, and get more involved in the culture, in the communities of the places that you really, really enjoy.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then maybe go to the Caribbean and uh, live there for a couple of months in different islands and explore that and see what you like there. So I, could, I guess that's part of it too. The, the really, really urgent ones I have seen now, and I definitely will return And there's always more to explore. That's the great thing. But you don't have to rush.
0: (laughs) Well, that's why I I like the expat lifestyle. And that's why I, I named the show the Expat Money Show is because I really wanted to show people that there is another option for traveling. So for me, for expat is someone who really incorporates themselves into the culture and into the community. Like, for example, we were speaking about Abu Dhabi and Dubai. I've been in the UAE for seven years here. And I use it as a base and I travel out and I, and I visit all the neighboring countries and I go over to Europe and to Africa and places like this. And I can use this as a base and it's like that hub and spoke model, you know. And at first when I was starting traveling in my teens, it was like, one day in one city, two days in the next city, three days in the in the one after that. And as time has gone on in the last 20 years of traveling, things have really slowed down. But each time I get more and more involved in the community and the culture in the people and the language and the food and all these really incredible, exciting things.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that's nice to first get that out of your system the urgency to travel and see something every week or every two weeks and three weeks. And if you were to do that for 20 years, you would be completely worn out. Absolutely. Because no matter how much you enjoy, there comes a point where you just, it just can't do it anymore. And so I wasn't at that point, but it just happened that the Spain set was longer and I greatly enjoyed it. And the time flew by like crazy. I still, still not ready to settle down, but it, it allowed me to take my business to the next level let's say, and and get a lot more done than you do when you travel. Because when I travel, I don't get as much done because you're exhausted. You do so much fun stuff during the day. You're just totally tired in the evening. And so now I really like you describe. um, And I was thinking when I was in Dubai, that's a great hub because it's so close to everything. Unlike the U.S., for instance, where you have to fly halfway around the world to most places. Whereas in Dubai, you're close to everything. And then you have a base and you just go for a little bit of time. And long term, I might do that, too. But for now, I'm, I'm, my plan once I leave here is live like three, four months in one area, and go on or see how I'd like it. You can always also rent places, furnished apartments. Sometimes some of them are really nice. As long as I have a good internet, I'm good. You know, stay for a month, extend if you want to and move on. So now my life will not be planned out by house sits as it was before more, which ironically, it usually happened to be in the places where I wanted to go anyway. This was quite funny how that happened. Uh, even when I was in South Africa, I got another one in Simonstown, which is where the penguins are and the whales. And then I got another near the Okavango Delta while I was already in Bat- Botswana, right? Yeah, that's Maun. So it's funny how these things work out. And while I was there, then I also traveled to Victoria Falls. And, you know, I got a lot of things as I was already there. But uh, they always led me into places where I wanted to go anyway, including Bali, Dubai, Thailand, and all that. So that worked out really well. And if it does, that's great. But these days, I also just go where I want to go and then just find some place to stay longer because that's nice to just settle in, just like you described, get to know the place, the food, to meet some people, and just get into the lifestyle of that place.
0: That's fantastic. So talk to my listeners a little bit about... If they wanted to have this type of lifestyle, what kind of things can they do today? What kind of tips or tricks or advice can you give them to try to build a lifestyle like this for themselves?
1: Well, the way I did it, and of course, there's many different ones, was through self-publishing, Kindle publishing on Amazon. And I got to this by coincidence, as often happens, and very early on in my career, so to speak. And what is amazing about self-publishing is not so much just publishing a book, but it is one of the most powerful and fastest uh, marketing and branding tactics, nonfiction, that is, of course. Uh, You can have lead magnets in there. I get subscribers every day. I get social media followers every day and from day one, pretty much. If you know how to sell on Amazon, if you understand how that platform works, not just publish, but really understand how to have a power launch, how to keep the algorithm to promote your book – It's amazing. I keep getting podcast interviews. Uh, Last week, I even got offered to be an expert on a a documentary that's coming up. Um, You get expert quotes, so you get a lot of other things out of it once you're uh, continuously in the bestseller list because people look for people to feature in the bestseller list. So it's great for that. It's great for branding. And it really started my business and started getting me an audience Um, first with the books of also, of course, a passive income stream, but I would see that as more of a bonus initially. It's a great way to sell affiliate products or any other products you have. If you do coaching or consulting, which is a great way initially to build a business, even a more six figure business, you can charge quite a bit of money. It's great to get clients because when people read your book, And they're like your style. I I think we've all done that when we read nonfiction books, how-to books. They often will want to hire you. You don't even have to ask them or offer it, especially if you have already success stories and you tie them into the book, like you, you share a technique or something, and then you share a story. Stories are always great in marketing anyway, and it's more fun to read, of a student who has applied that and the amazing success they had. And if you do that sporadically throughout the book, people will be dying to work with you. I even get requests for consulting coaching, even though I don't really do that too much because again, I like my free calendar. <laughs> but they still ask because as a best selling author, and I call this bestseller publishing, not just publishing, it's not that hard to do on Amazon, by the way. You have a different cloud. You, you establish authority, even influencer status very, very quickly. And it's it's I don't know any other platform that does that. You can be a social media influencer, but being a published author or a best-selling author is just an entirely different thing. What I also do, I use it as a funnel into my course because people already know you. So they're warm traffic, so to speak, or hot leads in a way. They feel like they know you, especially when you write in a very conversational style. So they're very interested to hear further training, like a free webinar or something like that. And then they're also very eager to learn more. And if there's a course they can take, they will do that gladly. But it's not the pitching you have to do if you brought in cold traffic from Facebook ads, for example, which is also much more expensive because it's the other thing about publishing. It's not expensive at all. You just have to learn how to do it successfully on Amazon.
0: We'll just take a quick break. Did you know that I equate a good deal of my success to my reading habits? And it's not just the amount that I read. It's exactly what books I choose to read. And I'm not alone in this. Even Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger call reading the secret to success. That's why I've compiled the best reading list ever for entrepreneurs. This is a detailed list that I painstakingly curated just for you and has books on it that you would never know to read. And you can get a copy of it free at expatmoneyshow.com forward slash one hundred books. That's expatmoneyshow.com forward slash one zero zero books. So which medium of selling books on Amazon do you think works best? Do you do more of the ebooks? Do you do more physical books? Do you do audio books? How does that look?
1: It ties all in together. It's not separate. And in fact, uh, with print, you do print on demand. So again, you don't have any advanced expenses. You just upload your files and they print the book whenever someone buys it, which is really great. And you still get a royalty. And they both show together when uh, people find your book. You market the Kindle book because there's many promo services, it's much easier to market those. But if people want the print version, they can just buy the print version. And the same with audiobooks. I haven't done audiobooks yet, but I know it's very successful as well because a lot of people like audiobooks and I will probably add that too but you would do all three together in most cases the kindle books sell the most because they're also lower priced but for instance in travel with a body book uh, the paperback often outsells sells the, the kindle book for example so you would do that together pretty much and the other point I wanted to make that's kind of important because people have this idea it's so difficult to write a book no it's actually not my very first book was about how to start a blog and that's not that difficult. And books don't have to be long. In fact, short is the new long, as they say these days. And I even have it sometimes in reviews where people uh, write how they appreciated that it was a shorter book because no one has time and everyone gets overloaded. Like the Dummy series, for example, is very in depth, very big books, whereas my books you can read in an hour or two. It's like 10,000 words, sometimes 20,000. So it's more like an extended blog post that if you know the topic well, and I'm sure you have expertise on something where you can write a simple how to book you can write that in a week or two. So it doesn't have to take that long. And the one big book, you can write that later. I would start with something simple and then create a series of these books and keep drawing people in and build a mailing list and a Facebook group and all that stuff, build a community from your readers.
0: Well, those are really good points because a lot of times people think that they need to be the best in the world, the world's leading expert on. Oh God, no. (laughs) it's, It's not true. You know, you just need to be several steps ahead. And oftentimes things in our life that we take for granted is actually what someone else is really keen on learning. And they just want to get to somewhere around where that level that you are at. They're not looking to be the best person in the world on a, on a field or a subject. So actually, if you, if you know it better than 90% of the population, then you're already an expert. You already know what you're doing. On, doing and you can probably write quite comprehensively about it.
1: Exactly. And the, the key is that you explain it well. That you explain it in an easy-to-understand That's why I have the no clue in my titles always, because I really bring it down to a very simple level that's easy to understand for anybody. Like in my case, it's often marketing or technical stuff so that people who have absolutely no clue and are scared of it realize with the friendly covers, they're pink and cartoonish. Oh, I can actually do this. This is not so difficult. Now I understand what this is about, right? So that's really more the conversational. I use a blogging style more than than a book style. And by the way, the other cool thing about publishing books is that you're already building a relationship with your reader who could become a follower or a customer or a client. And they feel like they know you because you're talking to them if you do it right in a really conversational tone, as you would with good blog style writing. And that is priceless too. You're building that relationship and that respect in a way. I don't, like I said, I don't know any other way you can do that as effectively and as quickly because if you blog, it takes a long time to build a blog to the point where you have a steady flow of audience and where you show up in Google at the top and all of that. That takes time. It takes a lot of work, takes a lot of influencer outreach and all the other things you can do there. Whereas with publishing, you just have to know how to publish successfully and you can be a bestseller in your first week. It's really not that difficult if you know what you're doing. And then the other part of that, of course, is to keep book selling. And there is a technique on how to do that. And that's how publishing can become an incredibly powerful marketing technique for any business you want to do any passion you have anything you want to build out and then you can add social media i did social media later because it's so much work and it's so much harder to build a following but i get social media followers every day just because they like the books and then they follow me on social media
0: I remember looking at your social media and you have something like 50,000 followers combined through
1: the different platforms. Yeah, and I'm not even doing all that much. That's the funny thing about it. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm I'm planning now on going more into my uh, Instagram because I I think it's a great platform also with the travel. So that's another project I have now to really, but then again, learn really how to crush it on Instagram, not just put an account out. And it's the same with publishing. You really want to learn in depth how to crush it there and all the techniques to do it. And like I said, now I'm doing that with Instagram. And then later other uh, techniques so that you have consistent, large traffic. So
0: I'm very curious on the money side of things. With the self-publishing, are you able to or would people be able to earn a full-time income just off the money of the self-publishing? Or does the money really come from the coaching, the consulting, or putting people through your funnel and buying your course and your programs? How does that look?
1: Well, it's first of all, it's hard to answer that question, obviously, because everybody's needs are different. How much is a full-time income, first of all? And secondly, it really depends on the book topic. It depends how well you do it, how well you write, how good your cover looks, keyword research, how, how well you do the launch so that Amazon keeps promoting your book. Um, can you make a full-time income? Absolutely, I do. Usually after a couple of books, you might have that one lottery winner that just does extremely well. And you make a couple of thousand dollars per month right away. But I will be very clear that, that is the exception. But the smart way to do this, also to keep um, selling the other books, is to build a series of shorter books. Because then you have another launch, and they all sell each other. Like, people like my books, they usually buy the entire series, right? You bring them in with one, and you can even make one perma-free, for example, like a lead magnet on a, on a website, so people come in who don't know you and then they like it and then, then they buy the whole series. So you build that up. That's the Kindle part. And then, of course, uh, paperback sells better. But I will be very clear, this is completely dependent on your niche, what topic you choose, how well your sales copy is on the title. It depends on a lot of different things and how much else you do. Like if you know influencers, if you get uh, featured on, let's say, an institution who features your book in your, the resources section, so you get constant evergreen traffic. Um, That's two. Another very important point is if you can incorporate affiliate products like I do, not pitchy, but just where it fits naturally, that is a significant additional income source as well. Like, for instance, in the blogging book, there's obviously quite a few that can be quite lucrative. I make several thousand dollars just from the affiliate products also in the book. So, yes, the book income, too. But I would, especially when you first start out, I would see that more as a bonus. Without any expectations, you will make some money, but how much is completely unpredictable. That's like saying, when people start a business, will they make a full-time income? That's kind of the question you're asking me, right? (laughs) I don't know. It depends on your business. It depends how you do it. Is it possible? Sure, absolutely, and especially when you don't have this get-rich-quick mentality. Now, publishing can happen really quickly. I've, when I I've published my first book, it took exactly 30 days, and I had my first number one bestseller, from writing it to publishing it and all of that. So it can be very quick. That's the cool thing about Amazon, and it took me maybe two, a couple of hundred bucks to do the whole thing, less than $500 with marketing and getting the cover, and there's a few expenses, which is much less than you would pay for any other business, and much less than continued Facebook ads, And all of that. And then the smart thing to do is to keep building on that. Create a series of related books. That's important. So they're all part of that. Like my beginner in a marketing series is starting a blog. Then the next steps, once you have the blog, then SEO, social media marketing. Um, I think I have 500 business ideas, starting a business. But again, always in those beginner level. And that's how you build a following. That's how you build uh, additional income because they all sell each other.
0: Well, and then I assume... You actually don't need to go out there and get new clients for every single book. A lot of times you will have the same people that bought book number one also buy book number two, three, four, five and continue on. That's
1: what I was saying before. Yeah, that people like the book and they did say it in my Facebook group and I also say it in reviews oftentimes. I bought the whole series. I love these books. They're so awesome. I bought the whole series. Once you get them in and you write well and you connect with people, they will buy the whole series usually or several books in the series at least. And that's why a series is so powerful. And it, like I said, it's not hard to do. They're short books. And if whatever your topic is, before you even start, try to find, split it up maybe into five subtopics that each can be a smaller book, like an extended really, really long blog post, so to speak. And and then go with that so that people kind of need the whole series, right? Uh, or it's, it's at least related because Amazon has a feature where they show all your other books right underneath and little thumbnails. You may have seen that in some books. And that's like free little ads. You don't have to pay for that. It's right there. And people see it. And we're all addicted to series. That's just human nature. If we like something, we want the whole thing, right? And you, you tap into that. And it's not that hard to do. Like you could say, I write a new book every two to three months. That's really not hard to do. Some people do it every month. That's a bit much. But if you do every two to three months, that's really not that hard to do if you know your topic already pretty well.
0: So what was your aha moment? Like, how did you come to this? Like, a lot of people wouldn't think of starting publishing a book as the beginning of starting the business.
1: I know. That's why I keep talking about it, because everybody is so busy with social media and all this other stuff. And this is actually much easier and much faster. In my case, it was, like I said, coincidence. I had joined a, a digital nomad community called Location Rebel, And they had a webinar of someone who had multiple number one bestsellers. um, And I, I listened to that. And I, for some reason, had on my bucket list, I had seen a couple of people being number one bestsellers. And somehow I had it on my bucket list. I wanted to do that, too. That was really why I did it initially. And so I followed her guidance step by step, chose this very simple book. And four weeks later, I had my first number one bestseller. And that book happened to also... Keep selling really well. Even back then, I didn't have a clue on how to do that. So I got lucky there and then did more books. And I really studied then in depth what works on Amazon. It's also an algorithm, of course, SEO, the marketing, the copy. What what are the things that make books sell well? How do you research topics and all of that? What are outside sources to get traffic? And really perfected that. But it was more coincidence, but it is quite brilliant because even nonfiction authors or authors in general don't even use it for the most part. In this way, like see it as the beginning of your sales funnel rather than just publishing a book.
0: Well, because a lot of people would think that you need to go out there on social media, you need to get a following, you need to do content marketing and get all these people and then you would build a business and that would put them into something and then you would write the book and, and you've, you've turned things on its head. Like you wrote the book first and you got the 50,000 followers from writing the book. Like, I think that's amazing.
1: Exactly. Yeah. For a while, I actually also did something on social media, but I honestly haven't much for a while. And I had no followers when I started, maybe a few. I had literally just started a little blog, a travel blog. I wasn't really quite sure what I was going to do, but I was already getting ready with my travels. And it was pure coincidence, but I had a lead magnet in that book, as you should always do, just like you have on your blog. And so every day I had new subscribers suddenly. And social media followers, like I said, and another really powerful thing that I recommend everybody do is get a Facebook group, not a page, a group of your followers and make it warm and fuzzy and friendly. Like in my case, it's a networking group. Greet people warmly and and encourage them to interact. Like in my case, when when I have the welcome messages every day, there's like 20 people underneath say, welcome, great to have you, and they check out their site. So it's a very interactive, friendly group. That's gold because these people will support you You help them a lot, and I give a lot of information there, but when when I need reviewers for my new books, for example, or uh, any other support, they're right there. They're happy to support, too. They support each other, and and that's a very powerful thing. But no, that's the cool part about it that people don't understand. With publishing, if you need a traditional publisher, which I would not ever do, then you need at least 10,000 followers or more, and even then you won't get a good deal unless you have a really big following. With publishing, it can be the start of that and it would make it so much easier because content marketing and blogging and social media, let's face it, it's really difficult. It takes time. You have to do so much. And and if you have connections with influencers, that will certainly speed it up. There's some Facebook ads and that. But everybody does that, right? So it's really difficult. And the the difference you have with publishing, especially with best-selling books, you have the cloud of a best-selling author. So people assume, even if you're brand new, Well, she must be a real expert or she must be an influencer, even if you're not, right? But the assumption is there and it's incredibly powerful. And the part I love the most, that's one of my favorite words ever, (laughs) is it's on autopilot, right? You set it up right and it just comes in and I just see the emails come in. I see core sales coming in. I see affiliate sales coming in. It's really fun. You know, you just, you do a little bit of promotion. Once you set it up right, there's not that much to do to keep it selling sure there's a few promos the reason why this works by the way um, one thing that exists for kindle is their promo services and these are um, websites basically that have huge followings of avid readers like tens of thousands in some cases hundreds of thousands and they send out mailings every single day to readers who are looking for books and there's always special deals of course so you lower the pricing of your book you can book basically ads in those newsletters, email newsletters, and unless your topic is completely uninteresting to everybody or you have a terrible cover, which you wouldn't if you get properly trained, uh, you will get sales.
0: So Gundi, talk to me a little bit about personal development, how you learned how to do these types of things, what your opinion is on reading or taking courses or masterminds or seminars or whatever it is you like to do for personal development.
1: Well, I personally really love online courses, and I take them all the time, and a total shortcut, I'm sure you have experienced that as well, it's just such a time saver when you learn from people who are really successful at this, I think that's key, of course, who really develop special hacks and give you in-depth information, because a a book gives you a certain start, but the in-depth information to really crush it and become really good at that comes from there and also i happen to like movies like i already said i'm so i'm a visual person so i enjoy watching online courses because you get these little videos and it's easy to do and i also like i love road tripping when i travel it's one of my favorite ways to travel and i often listen to audiobooks while i'm traveling in the car i just now i had richard branson and gary v which was really fun i mixed them both up so that was very entertaining and you learn a lot. And yeah, so those are my two things, how I mostly do it. Of course, I also read books, but I honestly don't spend as much time on reading books, rather listening to them or doing courses because they're so in-depth.
0: Yeah, I agree with you on both comments. I, when I travel, I listen to a lot of audiobooks. going back and forth to the airport or even on the plane while I'm sitting in my seat. I'd prefer listening to an audiobook opposed to watching a movie that I really don't care so much about. And the courses, I think that it's so interesting because... Traditional schooling is, you know, one person standing at the front of the room and talking to everyone, giving a lecture, and people taking notes. But if you don't understand something, if you don't, if you don't get what they're talking about, you can't push, you know, pause, rewind, have them do it again, you know. But with an online course, turn them off or turn them off, <laughs> you know, walk away, you know. But yeah. with an online course, you can go over these things over and over and over again because sometimes things just don't stick the first time, and maybe you need multiple goes at it and there's nothing wrong with that at all
1: yeah and you also can go at your own speed Mm because some things you may not need as much you can move forward there's usually uh, also good support so you get access to the person who runs the course much more than you normally would because now you're a student you paid money for the course right so you have premium access to these people and yeah, it's, it's it's a wonderful way. And also with a lot of what we do, uh, you need visual reference. Like I also go to YouTube quite often whenever I don't know what to do. Technically, for instance, if you don't know how to do something, you go to YouTube and watch a video, right? That's how the quickest way to learn to do pretty much anything now. And so the video format is really nice.
0: I love YouTube, but you know what ends up happening to me is I'll go in, I will type something into the search bar, look for an answer to one problem. And the next thing I know, it's like six hours later, and I'm learning how to build like a nuclear reactor in your garage, you know, and I'm like, how the hell did I end up here? You know, I just had one simple question. So I I fall down this rabbit hole, and it's just one thing leads to another. And then what I initially needed to know, you know, I didn't actually get done. I, I get so distracted on the internet.
1: Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a problem. I get that. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit more disciplined <laughs> if, if I've watched something. I watch movies like, uh, I, I can do my, my day free, can plan it freely. And I usually start sometime in the morning and uh, some, end sometime in the evening or so, because it doesn't really feel like work, but I do need these mental breaks. And I just love movies or certain TV shows. I love to binge watch. So for me, it's great to have a mental break and just watch something for an hour. So I'm not so tempted by YouTube, but that's for me more to how to something, right, versus the entertainment factor of just watching something. So we're all different there.
0: Well, I go to YouTube to find out how to do something, but then I get distracted. And then you get distracted, yeah. <laughs> so that's why actually I prefer those online yeah. courses, you know, because then it's, okay, first you do A, then it's B, then C, and everything is in sequential order. And I don't need to search and I don't get distracted, but I don't know.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now it's not to replace a course. No, I didn't mean that. It's more like the little things if you need to, how do I do this in WordPress or whatever, you know, like a little thing. But I know you said you get lost for six <laughs> hours later, you're somewhere else. But uh, no, it absolutely does not replace online courses. That is the, the the cheap way to do it. You can search for anything in Google and and spend months finding it and probably eventually get a lot of that information. Actually, no, you won't get all that information because a lot of that is then really reserved for courses. You get a lot of general information, but not the in-depth stuff. And you're right. It's it's a very compact Thing And there's a structure to it and you can go back and oftentimes they have expert interviews and things like that. And I also like the Facebook groups that usually go with that, the community, the networking you get, and again, networking with whoever influencer did the course, which is priceless too. Because they can also help you otherwise. If you, especially if you're successful and you're at one of their testimonials where you had great success, they will go out of their way to help you further in other ways as well. And they're well connected usually and have large audiences and all that. So, that's another little benefit that people often think about.
0: Well. For me, the the show of the Expat Money Show is actually a bit of a double entendre. So it means like a podcast, a TV show, a radio show, things like that. But it also means show. It means education, how to teach someone. So this meta-learning, these these hacks that we always talk about on the program, that really comes down to the shortcuts like you just mentioned.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. And podcasting is, of course, a great way to do that.
0: So earlier in our conversation, you said the word autopilot. I want you to go into this for me a little bit. Explain what this means to you and, and how you look at this.
1: Well, I mentioned that my income is mostly focused on passive income. And I can say about probably I never counted it, but I would guess it's about 95% of my income is passive income. And that's what I basically mean by autopilot. You set things up in a way that uh, income comes automatically. And also followers, subscribers, and anything you need for your business, for the most part, happens on autopilot. Now that I have a number of books and I'm usually in the top 50 now business authors, continuously, people look through it and find me and ask me to be on, on podcasts and, like I mentioned, the TV and, and other things. So I get a lot of that, too, again, also on autopilot, which is pretty cool. So I like freedom. I hate a calendar where I have appointments that I need to keep There's certain things I do like podcast interviews. This is fun, but otherwise I don't like being booked up and have to do stuff. I like to just take off a day sometimes if I want to and just go or do my travels as I want to and have that freedom and flexibility. So for me, passive income and that autopilot function is extremely important. I always wanted that. And like I said, I stumbled onto publishing and that made that uh, very much possible income-wise and otherwise. So that's what I'm uh, referring to mostly. And if people want to hear more about this, I actually have a free training webinar, sort of a free masterclass that you can attend at your own time. And you can sign up for that at dreamclientsonautopilot.com. Of course, autopilot had to be in the name. So dreamclientsonautopilot.com. And there I explain how I do the bestseller publishing, how I build my business really from the ground up with basically no followers and absolutely nothing and in a relatively short amount of time. So you can sign up there, com.
0: Perfect. I love it. It's super, super interesting conversation with you today, Gundi. It's such a pleasure to have you on. If my listeners, if they want to follow up with you, if they want to reach out to you, where can we send them?
1: The best way is my website, sassyzengirl.com. And there's a contact link. You can find me there. You can also search the sassyzengirl Facebook group. It's simply group. So pretty easy to find. You can find me there. And of course, you can also find me on Amazon by just putting in Gundy Gabrielle. The books will usually should be coming up at that time.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And I'll talk to you soon. Okay, Gundy? Thank you. Hey, so earlier on the break, I mentioned to you the 100 books that all entrepreneurs must read. I've curated the list for you, and you can find it at expatmoneyshow.com forward slash 100 books. That's expatmoneyshow.com forward slash 100 books. Get your copy today. It's completely free, and it can make a world of difference in your business.